right, welcome back to the podcast. We are moving on to week 10. And if you're playing a game called Mess With My Emotions, you guys have all done an admirable job of doing that. Um, yes, I definitely lost to the vampire this week. The silver lining is that no matter what moves would have been made or anything that I would have done, I would have lost no matter what because they have the most points this week. So they are both entitled to $5 a piece and uh, of, to the victor goes the spoils. So DeAndre Hopkins will be leaving... Uh, my team, and um, let's see, we had a lot of other close matchups this week, and then some not-so-close ones. Start with mine, it was 156 to 101, so yeah, not close. And then we had Brett and Galis, which is about as close as you can get, uh, point, point 0.24 differential. Sorry, there was a little bit of math involved there. So uh, Brett, Ivy Stroken, comes in quickly to win that one at the very end of the Monday Night Football game tonight. Uh, Mick takes down, this is the year, at 123.84, and Pontiac Bandits wins against uh, Andy, uh, which is Wakanda Forever, 120 to 100, and then you've got Peel and Jeff, no contest there, 151 to one or to 99. Um, so there are some changes. Peel's going to go five and four. Andy's going to go three and six. Jake's going to go three and six. Uh, Galus's gents going to go four and five, and I am going to go three and six as well. So. Silver lining here. I don't have the matchups. I'm recording this actually super late on Monday night since tomorrow looks like it's going to get a little bit busier than I had originally anticipated, which is why you're going to get a super bridge version with me today and a much longer version with Brett, um, which I'm sure you're not super upset about. Um, but there's not going to be a whole lot changing. I'm not going to try to figure out the rankings right now. Uh, well, obviously, we'll all see them by the time that you're listening to this anyway. Um, but the, the teams that were three and five, other than Blood Brothers, they all lost. So like Jake, myself, Andy, and Jeff, we all lost this week. So that sixth place spot just does get solidified for Blood Brothers. So thank you again, Galus, for giving him CMC, who returned for one week to totally screw me in the pooch. And then uh, and then you know probably gonna sit one week out here with a shoulder injury. So um, yeah, that's fun. That's really fun. I'm glad that this happened. But Again, I think even without CMC, it wasn't going to be close because I only put up 101 points this week. But if I, you know, if I had CMC, they probably would have been different. So if you traded him to me, I think I think I would have won this one. So you really turned the tides, bud. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Anyway, moving on. Uh, let's get into the matchups next week before we dive into our section with Brett. And uh, just want to remind you, we've got Peel coming on the show later today too. So I'm super excited about that. Definitely don't want to miss uh, my section with Peel. Um, I think it's the most intriguing section that we'll have uh so week 10 these are rounding right back to those week one matchups this is the roundabout section of the year so whoever you played weeks one through four or i'm sorry weeks one through three since it's a 13 week season here uh you're going to be bumping into them again so we've got out of commission and ib stroken which out of commission is myself now i've aptly changed my team name and uh, i think it's very appropriate um Brett looks like he will take this one, so that would be my prediction for the week. I hate betting against myself, but maybe that will turn my luck when I bet against myself since my picks for my own games have not been great. We've got Camper Dude and Galus Gents. This one's hard to predict. It looks like there's some buys on this matchup. Um, right now, Kelsey's on buy, so Mick's going to actually have to fill in a tight end. And um, Slim Pickens always in that position. For uh, for Galus here, we've got Julio Jones in Kansas City in a buy. I won't try to make you know, predictions on who to slot in and out um, this week. I think everyone's just going to have to fend for themselves on that front, and you guys are smart enough to do it. Uh, we've got, uh, who else do we have coming up in week 10 here? 
We've got Pontiac Bandits, and uh, this is a year, so we've got Ryan and Jake. It uh, looks like Ryan's going to take this one down here. It looks like Jake's got to fill in some potential buy positions. It looks like a low score from him right now. We've got Hans Molman and Wakanda Forever. This will be the matchup of the week. Uh, and then we've got Blood Brothers and Peel. So this is a vengeance match. Let me tell you this right now, though, okay? I want you to just keep this in mind. So here's the points that are up on the board right now. Out of commission, me, 104. Uh, Brett, 114. Dude, Mick, 99. Galus, 91. Pontiac Bandits, 121.7 with a full roster. Uh, Jake, 105. Hans Bowman, 112. Andy, 107. Peel, 135. Pretty explosive team, right? Blood Brothers, 145. So the silence here is to let that sink in for a moment so that you understand the snowball effect that has taken place. If you have not caught on, it is scary at this point what has happened to the league. Look, look, Jerry Judy putting up 30 points this past weekend, like, what the fuck? Like, that's that's not supposed to happen. Okay, yeah, yeah. And and Devontae Parker doesn't put up more. I get it. Tua has a good day, and he looks sharp, but, like, I don't know. I just, these are the things that fantasy, you can't predict them, and as much as you try to analyze the position and, and rank everything, it, it, you're never going to be accurate to the point where you can aptly say oh yeah he was definitely supposed to put up 30 points you crazy bastard um you know hopkins puts up nine points tyreek hill goes off and that just some some crazy stuff going on there too so but yeah i mean blood brothers is looking like they are gonna take peel down and then it's sayonara to dalvin cook because that's what they said last week they were gonna do and uh dalvin cook is coming off his bye um this upcoming week, it looks like. Uh, actually, I don't know if that's true. I don't know where Dalvin... Oh, no, he's he got the Monday night game against Chicago. But, yeah, he's he's listed as uh, one of the top plays that week, too. So, um, yeah, it's going to be scary. And uh, that'll be that'll be the second matchup of the week. Obviously, it has more implications than, you know, Andy and Jeff. But I just that's a big game because they're fighting to literally push one of the other guys out of playoff contention at that point. Um Whoever wins the game between Jeff and Andy will actually have a shot, and then the loser will really not have a shot because you got two weeks to make up too much of a differential at that point. So um, I am out of commission, so I don't really give a shit what happens at this point. You're really just going to get the airy side of things for me, and uh, we'll just kind of hope that the guys who are having a good season, like I'm going to live through Mick at this point. I'm just going to absolutely live through Mick. And I am not making suggestions for Mick. Is doing this all on his own. He's sitting in first place right now, and I think uh, I think he stays there, right? Did we say that Mick won this week? Yeah, Mick won again this week, so he's not moving position-wise unless, uh, let's see, Ivy Shroken put up more points. Not enough to, yeah, uh, Brett didn't put up more points than Mick, so Mick's going to hold that spot. I mean, you're going to the playoffs, dude. Congrats. Like, let's clap that one out. You're going to the playoffs, my man. Uh, love you. Just let's do one thing. I don't know if everyone knows this story. I'll tell a quick story before we dive into the section with Brett and then obviously the section with Peel. Thanksgiving two years ago, Peel had a name. Uh, his team name was Thundercats. Okay. And um, he decided, Peel decided that he was going to change his name to Thunder Cunts the day before Thanksgiving. And of course, I'm sitting at Thanksgiving dinner with with mick and the family and we're having a nice meal grandma's there grandma's 97 years old you've you've got a lovely spread 
aunt and uncle are there. And I don't think that the table was silent. But Mick, Mick at one point looks to me and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm playing Peel this week. And I was like, yeah, you are. It should be a, a good matchup. He's like, yeah, what, what's with his team name? Thundercunts. I don't get it. Now remember, at this point, Peel had changed his team from cats to cunts. And then that day, he had actually changed it back to Thundercats again. So I had the privilege of saying, whoa, Mick, Mick. It's Thundercats, not Thundercunts. What are you... What are you like, we're at Thanksgiving dinner here. You don't need to say that word anyway. But I just thought... I just It made me laugh so hard internally because I knew exactly the, the series of events that took place up to that point that it was Cats and then changed and then changed back. And, oh my God, it was just comedic gold for me. So uh, Thanksgiving in 2017 was, was one to behold and one to definitely remember. Um, all right, so we've got our next section coming up here with Brett. We are going to be talking some uh, a little bit different today. We've got a lengthy discussion about the benefits of, you know, what's good for an actual football team compared to what's good for your fantasy team. Um, one of the prime examples you'll hear a little bit more is like, obviously Zeke is not having a great year, but that doesn't mean he's a bad running back. He's actually one of the best, if not the best running back in the league, so... Uh, we'll get into that section here, and then uh, again, don't tune your ears away after the. Uh, you're going to want to hear uh, the interview between me and Peel as well. We finally get him uh, on the podcast here if we have some time. So uh, enjoy our segment today. But I have Tyler Boyd, and I'm kind of comfortable playing him as the wide receiver two on the team. So I'm I'm not happy. Obviously, you don't want to lose Hopkins, but I could have worse situations for a guy to jump in and take that spot. You know where Tyler Boyd is on the air, PPR? Uh, three. Eight. Wide receiver eight. eight. He's a top yeah. ten receiver. Yeah, I know he is. Which is bonkers. I'm not surprised. Uh, it's the quietest top wide receiver ten play so far of the year. Yeah. Which is not so. Yeah. Who's And that's with that's with Amari fading towards the end of the year, really. Oh, yeah, he's not. It's uh, with that quarterback situation, it's not going to be good for him at all. Yeah, and the, and the only ones in front of him are, are legit plays. You have three of the top eight receivers. I know. With Nuke, Reek, and Tyler Boyd. Let's not forget I also had George Kittle rest in peace. <laughs> I also had Saquon Barkley rest in peace. We don't speak ill of the dead. <laughs> this has just not been a good year for injuries, period. But I feel like – I'm not look, I'm not, I'm not milking it's, that sad It's a word. tremendous amount of severe injuries. That's what I was just about to say. And I'm not the only one who is hit by this, right? Like I traded Miles Gaskins away and I was like, shit, I kind of want him back. And then I think it was the week that Kittle got injured, Gaskins got hurt too. So the only person that makes it out of that trade in a good spot is Ronald Jones. And even then that's like the worst piece of that trade period. Which is because, not end because Ronald Jones is RB 13 on the year. He's doing great. 13. Look, look, remember when we first talked about this, you're like, look, I, I get the trade and I'm not going to interfere, but it's lopsided. It's, yeah, it's lopsided. And that's the thing. It's lopsided at the time. And still, if you go back just on the value of Kittle as a tight end in a very you know, shallow position, right. it's still a lopsided deal. But you come out of that, the reason why you make that deal if you're Mick, which was an incredibly shrewd move on his part, was he knew the volume of getting both of those guys was ultimately going to overweigh just keeping um, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I was gonna say let's not let's not dampen that trade by him yeah. 
not being able to make that trade if he doesn't have Kelsey there. And that's why it's it, that's why it's really really tough to ever come in and veto something because he has the assets. Let him use the assets as he sees fit. He doesn't need to go and get because if he goes and he tries to fish for another double back comparison from somebody else, the value that he's going to get back isn't going to be equal to what he's giving up. So people just ultimately won't make the deal, right? Because there isn't there isn't another grouping of two backs that someone is going to be willing to give up that equals Kittle's value. So ultimately a trade like that is never going to be perfectly even. So it might be lopsided and the person who wants to make the deal is still going to do it knowing full well that it doesn't benefit everyone else in this scenario, but it benefits me right now, which is why I still make the deal. Yeah. So this actually, I want to, I want to jump into what you want to talk about here too, but I just, this brings up something interesting because I think you and I have worked at a deal the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I think every year for like the last four or five years or so. Yeah. And I and just is, like talking to you. I know it. <laughs> the thing is, is that for me, you know, the reason I got so many deals done this year is not because I just threw out a bunch of trade. like Peel throws the most trade out offers out there. Right. Like bar none, hands down, people have said like, oh, I get p- trades from Peel. And by the time I even look at him, like he's already yeah, usually a couple times a year. And then yeah. oddly enough, they, by the time they you disappear. go them, they've been, they've been removed. They've been removed. Right. Yeah. So, but my thing is, is that what I'll do, and I did this with Galus early on, especially because like, I, I like to have a conversation with the person about why I'm coming to them with the trade. Mm-hmm. So I always, my advice to everyone in this league, especially because the podcast is strictly for everyone in the league here is if you're going to make a trade, which you should try to make a trade to make your team better. Cause if you're not doing that, then you're not understanding your weaknesses on the team, right? You do have to sacrifice some pieces for pieces that you need is when you're making that trade offer, approach the owner. It's 10 people. We all know each other. Go talk to that person and say, Hey, here's the reason why I want to get this done. I think it helps you out by this, but I, it's going to help me definitely because of this, you decide if you think it's going to help me more than it does to me, or at the very least make your counter offer with what I'm saying right now, right? Like this doesn't have to be the end all be all, but let's open the discussion here because I want to get these pieces. Mm -hmm. The only, the only time that gets really, really tough is when somebody then approaches you and tells you why you're getting the benefit of the trade. Oh yeah. That's, and you're like, okay, well, why are you doing it? (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I'm always a negative. I'm always opposed to like, if somebody says like, Hey, here's, you know, Miles Sanders for James Robinson. Let's say they're both healthy at this point. I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm going, what am I not seeing in this trade? Because it just seems like a lateral move and I'm not encouraged to make this at all. So I feel like you're trying to pull a fast one on me or I don't know what the lateral move here is for. Sure. And sometimes people just like making deals. I used to play in a league uh, with my dad's work buddies, which was 12 guys like, 45 and up who just lived and breathed this stuff. This is, this is the most exciting thing that they do all year. Right. And I had a guy and he, he never won the league. I don't think he was really ever all that interested in winning it, but he had a completely different team at the end of the year than the team that he drafted. He didn't have a single person on his team that he drafted. And I asked him, I was like, what's the deal? He just said, I really like to make moves like trading guys and trying to put together a lineup is way, way, way more fun. Um, and I get that. But then you get the opposite. I would play with a guy, and I probably played in that league for 10, 12 years or so. And 
he never made a move, never made a single move. He wouldn't even answer your trade requests. And you'd be like, oh, maybe he's AFK. That's kind of his deal. But right. he would he would constantly make waiver moves. He would be, you know, he'd be getting stuff early, early on Wednesday morning and stuff like that. So you knew he was active. I think he just, he loved the guys that he had researched. He valued them and he wanted to keep them the whole year. Well, and I get, so I get the flip side of it. And I, you know, I always, I always, every year I make the lobby to get rid of the kicking position. I think we get a little <laughs> bit closer every year, but it's when you go into the season, you do your research on every other position, maybe not defense as much, but you at least know what the defense is capable of, or you know yeah. some names on the defense to be able to lend to that. You, you probably don't know schedules or anything like that, but you're like, well, Baltimore's got a good defense, so you should probably yeah. pick them up. With a kicker, you're like, uh, I guess I'll grab maybe the couple guys that play in a dome, but other yeah, than me, that, like, give me a guy that can hit it. You know, if I have a guy playing in Denver, or if I've got, you know, <clears throat> somebody who's on an offense then, <laughs> which yeah. is actually a pretty good segue into what we're going to talk about is an offense that's good but not too good. I really right. like the end zone. Yeah, and I think I think ultimately, like, that's that's part of the reason why I would understand why that person would want to keep the guys that they have. So like, like, I did all this research. Like, I'm really banking on them to turn things around. Like, I was that was me and Jonathan Taylor this year. I really thought that he would take the role away from Mac. Mac goes down with the Achilles in, injury, which is unfortunate. But I'm like, all right, here we go. So it's going to happen sooner than I thought. And it has not happened, and I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think he's just going to bust out. And it's, it's, it's the thing that we'll probably hit on today, which is that idea of fantasy versus reality. If you're, if you're an actual GM, if you're somebody who's analyzing the team, Jonathan Taylor's hundred percent, the best back in that backfield, right. he's probably the most dynamic player on the entire team. And just within what they need in the game script that they lay out every week, they just don't use them. And you keep telling yourself, Oh, here comes a week. Here comes a week that Taylor breaks out. Right. And it just doesn't keep happening. You end up looking at him on the year. He's at 20. I mean, you got guys behind him in Daryl Henderson, who's, you know, barely got the amount of uh, snaps that he has because he didn't come on until later. Right. DeAndre Swift, who just decided to become a part of Detroit's offense. And then you've got guys like Melvin Gordon, Jarek McKinnon, and Kenyon Drake, who have such incomplete games so far this year that you look at a guy in Jonathan Taylor who's played every game and has gotten the snaps. They just don't use him. Yeah, and so that's that's the topic of discussion that you want to talk about is – What a segue. <laughs> we did it. Damn. Podcast over. We did it. <laughs> um, no, what 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 is the reality of impact in fantasy compared to what actually makes like a good football player? So so actually I was thinking about this earlier. I think a good way to start this off is let me ask you the question, who is the best running back in football? So if we're talking just talent, yep. your runner. We're not talking as, as it equates to fantasy. Who is the best running back in football? That's a really good question. For, for me. In, yeah, go for it. Give me yours. I, I would tell you it would be Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, it probably would be my answer as well, too. Yeah. The, the only one that I would probably come close with from a pure running scenario, uh, scenario would be Derrick Henry. Um, right. And I, I love the idea of Dalvin Cook, too, but I just can't count on him playing a full season. Um, <laughs> Zeke's, Zeke's health, his longevity that he's shown year after year, and his ability to consistently deliver solid games and really don't um, really don't suffer from having a really terrible floor would probably put him there. And then yeah. the thing that you're going to then say after this is obviously his offensive line. Yeah. Well, no, actually I mean, the offensive line. Yeah, for sure. Like he's having a down year, but the thing that doesn't show up on the fantasy stats is what is he doing when he's not being asked to run the football, when he's exactly. asked to go into pass protection and he's better than anybody at picking up the blitz in the NFL. 
And that's part of the reason why he gets paid even more money than some of these other backs are getting paid is because he's a complete package. He just, he just is. Now I would tell you second, I think would be Christian McCaffrey because I think he legitimately can do it all. Um, you know, if you watched him at all on Sunday, which how can you not? Cause he's always in your face, but that pass that he goes up and gets, he looks like oh, a wide awesome. receiver. Oh my gosh. Um, From a pure athletic standpoint with him and Kamara, you've got, you've got guys that are difference makers on the offense. They're not asked to do as much in pass protection simply because that's not really what I would want to have them put themselves on the line for. If you, no. if you get a guy who gets lit up, he separates his shoulder, obviously, you know, hopefully CMC's back a little bit quicker than that, but you got a guy who separates his shoulder. You got a guy who just, you know, gets tangled up. He gets run, run down and he doesn't have the gas left in the tank. I was watching, <laughs> I was watching the Notre Dame game uh, this weekend against Clemson and they're back. He could not, could not pick up a blitzing linebacker to save his life. And Ian book was getting drilled left and right. The running back was super fresh towards the end of the game because he wasn't hitting anybody because he kept whiffing on all his blocks. Yep. So if I've got a guy um, who's chipping on every single block by the end of the game, he's going to get run down. The reason why I agree with you on Zeke is he doesn't seem to really ever get kind of worn down. He's still fresh towards the end of the game. He still finishes his runs. No, I ended up, I ended up dropping Tony Pollard in our league too, just because it just becomes more apparent as I try to hang on to those kinds of handcuffs. They never come into factor. I mean, even when Zeke is not playing well, when he's fumbling the football, when he's not, when he's being careless too, right? I mean, Pollard still is not a factor. This week, just because I, I I was out of town and I needed to lock something in, I couldn't guarantee an afternoon start. They ended up kind of being pretty even as they they turned out to be. But I totally agree with you. They're they're flashing the pan runners, and if they don't pick up that 20, 30 yard run every now and then, they're going to end up with a pretty bad baseline. Right, and you had to pick up Pollard too because you had Zeke on your team, and he was in question to play yeah, this week, right? I yeah, was, so you, I was worried he wasn't going to run. So yeah, I was surprised by that. It would have been the first game he missed in what two years, three. Would have been a while if it was the noon game. If they're if they're a mid afternoon uh, or an early afternoon game, I bet you he doesn't play. Who are who are some other guys? Okay, so now we've kind of covered you know where the basis of the topic is here, right? Like Zeke is obviously not showing as much in fantasy right now because that offensive line is bad, like you were saying, but. Who are some other players that you would say are really good at the position, but it just doesn't show in the fantasy stat line? And that's that's a tremendous analysis of it. If you look at guys who run the ball really, really hard, but don't get those kind of ultimate stat stuffer lines, a guy like Chris Carson, when you see him run the ball, he yeah. runs it strong, but he's just not a factor in their offense from game to game. There's some times where he just he completely disappears. Yeah, he gets faded. Uh, CEH has been that way sometimes this year. Um, he's just Definitely. he's a type of runner that is you and Zeke does this as well. You look at CEH when he runs, he has the ability to take an off tackle run and not turn it into 25-30, but to turn it into 7 is so huge for an offense when you've got guys that have that first second down running ability to make it second and three to make it third and one they're just so valuable to an offense but they might not be a guy who's going to pick up 25 to 30 carries in a game they're going to make those runs that are going to make them fantasy viable but they're not going to have that super volume well and so what's interesting is is guys like who you're talking about moving away from like the running back position there's another guy that 
if you're if you're thinking or if you're coming at this from a fantasy perspective, you would have said that this person has no business being on anyone's rosters, right? Mm-hmm. So this is where you can come and make it into a fantasy play by being football smart outside of fantasy. Robbie Anderson is that perfect example for me, right? It's he a gets great moved, example. He gets moved to the Panthers this year. He's one of those fantasy irrelevant guys. He's been in the league for a while, so you know who he is because he was chunking off big plays before. But now in this offense, he is a viable pass catcher. He's a great WR2. He's totally undervalued. And it took a couple weeks for him to catch on because of that football perception. People are like, well, I've seen him play in the past, and he wasn't a factor. So am I really going to bite just because he had two big games in a row? And, and you look at it and you go, well, let's see, new head coach, new quarterback, new offensive system. Yeah, I'm going to buy into this early. I'll make that investment. You ended up with Robbie Anderson on your team too. Did and you, I, you waver him? No, I wavered him. I wavered him clean. So he was a he was like a mid-Friday grab because I was looking at target share. It was the week that I picked up um, somebody even ahead of him. I grabbed a receiver. I can't even remember who it was because I think I dumped him. But I grabbed a receiver ahead of him, and then I looked at target share and I saw that when CMC let me, let me went guess. down, is, was he at twenty five percent target share? If that, I mean, oh. if that from the early runs, but it was game after game, it got bigger and bigger. And bigger. Yeah, so yeah. he was climbing. He's fifth in the league in targets. He's got 80, 80 targets this year, and he's third in receptions. He's a guy that you would have never thought. First off, he's rail thin. He weighs like one seventy five. Yeah, and he's and not. He's, he's not even the fastest guy either. Ooh. He's not DJ. DJ Moore is way better over the top than he is. And yep. hell, Curtis Samuel looks like he's an over the top guy now. Yeah, what the hell is up with that? But I guess <laughs> Robbie Anderson is wide receiver eleven on the year, and this is this is through eight games. This hasn't updated since this week, but wide receiver eleven through through eight weeks, you would have never guessed that. And I'm picking him up week three on a dead waiver, and I've played him every single week simply because each time he comes up on the stat sheet he's got 11 12 targets and he's converting seven or eight of those into grabs and beauty of ppr is i don't need him to go eight for 120 if he goes eight for 56 i'm super thrilled with that where, where do you put him in your rest of season rankings i put him lower and lower each week because i think bridgewater's getting figured out by defenses it'd be interesting to see if cmc kind of helps out the offense spread a little bit more well, I, um, and this week because he put up he put up a clinic on on numbers for sure. Exactly, and that's where it's it's very very funny. Then, if you're going to say, can he continue to do that throughout the rest of the year? I would still put him in the wide receiver two conversation. I'd probably put him a little bit lower when it comes to rest of the season, right around fifteen ish or so. Okay. Um, Let let's play a little game here then because no. I I have uh, I started to do this last week and we only did one round of this, but. Let's take Robbie Anderson as, a, as an example here. Uh, rate these guys for – I'll give you an easy one, then I'll give you a hard way. A hard okay. one. So we would do Robbie Anderson and Terry McLaurin. Which one would you rather have? I like Terry for the for the target share in Washington. He's a clear number one. Um, yeah. The the injury to Kyle Allen is going to hurt going I forward. Agree, I agree with that. I think he'll get dropped down, but I would still take Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I think uh, I'd take Terry. All right, so Robbie Anderson or Justin Jefferson in Minnesota? I got to take Robbie because Jefferson's had too many games this year where he's completely disappeared. The Thielen effect is so fascinating for all you Diggs owners for the last few years. Yeah. Thielen just destroyed Stefan Diggs' value um, yep. because what would happen is Thielen, he is, 
he is such a volume route runner that when he's on, he picks apart the corner that's on him and he'll get 14 targets. He'll catch 12 of them. And then all of a sudden, Justin Jefferson will go two targets, one grab for four yards. And it's a swing play next week. He could go, you know, you could grab 12 for 160, but I can't trust that he's not going to have that drop off floor. Um, what's his Deshaun Jackson is that guy for me, right? It's a perfect comparison. Yeah, yeah. And he just, you know, he'll, he'll go two for 120 and, uh, you know, two touchdowns, and you're like, great, okay. That's, of course, I'm playing against him this week. Exactly. Uh, and, then other, and then you're like, well, I guess I'll pick him up and play him in a league. And then he goes like one for – three and you're like oh cool okay he'll he'll just burn you he'll just yeah. burn you i, I mean I, I hated dropping jefferson simply because i would love a plug and play flex like that that can grab me 30 plus points but i put him rest of the season somewhere at the end of the 20s yeah i would say that's that's probably fair all right so last one uh for robbie anderson will fuller i like fuller a little bit more um he's become more than the simple deep threat, he was another great example of a guy that would go three for 115 and two touchdowns. Yeah. He was reliant on that, but he did it more often than somebody like Deshaun, or he did it more often than somebody like Ted Ginn used to do. You know, you get those random Ted Ginn games where he'd go two for 110 and both of them were for scores. Fuller, is, he's, increased his, uh, he's increased his target share. He's increased his overall volume. Uh, and I like kind of where he is. If you look at him on the full board, where is he just in terms of pure yardage? Fuller? Yeah, he's uh, at... I'd have to look. Let's oh, see. God, he's at, he's almost got 600 yards. Yeah. He's he's ahead of guys like Cooper Cup. He's yeah, ahead he's got, he's got of Adam Thielen. He's got 490 this year on but the the thing with Fuller is if you're if you're looking at yardage is very it's a very different story in like a PPR league like what we're in because he's got 47 targets so far this year and last year he had 71 in total and then in 28 I mean it's hard to compare because he had the injuries so he's always hurt yeah he is this year not as much yeah. though I think he's and that's just, why that's why I like him and I like the fact that he's turned those into scores he's got six touchdowns yep on 36 grabs it's not. Um, it's not the best, but so, I would take him going forward a little bit more. If you're, if you're moving on a name like that, I guess this will really be the last one we would do for like Robbie Anderson, but it's, there's a reason for it. I'll give you a big name here too. And let's see who you would, Mike Evans. Would you want Mike Evans or Robbie Anderson? It, it certainly seemed like the game script last night is going to bury Evans. I don't think Antonio Brown's going to take a ton of targets from him. Um, I would be more worried about Chris Godwin getting healthy. Um, I still would take Evans because he's a similar type of volume receiver where if he has that game, he can get, he can just absolutely pour it on 13, 14, 15 targets and turn 10 of those into, you know, 150 in a score. Um, He's going to have drop off, but his drop off isn't going to be as severe as those other guys. I still think Evans floor is a little bit higher. Um, that's pretty close. I'd put, I'd put them very close to each other. I, my, I might put Robbie just a touch higher than him, but I also have a soft spot for Mike Evans because he won me a league. So anyway. <laughs> it's funny how that works. Yeah, right. I, uh, I, would, I would tell you the thing, the reason that I think they're as close as they are is because if you're looking at it from a football perspective, right? I mean, Mike Evans is a more talented guy, right? No but question. In, in fantasy right now, 
Robbie Anderson has been the higher producer. The, the difference between these two guys is Mike Evans, even still after this last game is the most targeted wide receiver in the NFL in the red zone. So he That's just, tremendous. he has the ability, right. To get you those points. And I always say like never count on touchdowns, but there are some guys like, I remember what was it two years ago before Atlanta would figure out like, Oh, Hey, Julio Jones can actually catch touchdown passes. They weren't targeting him in the red zone at all. So he would, he had like three touchdowns all year, but he had, he was a PPR monster, and all his points just came from yardage. It's crazy that he was still a top receiver based off of that. And then they finally figured out like we can target him and he'll do something. He is he is going to go down with Calvin Johnson as two of the just most purely sadly wasted talents from a wide receiver standpoint. He's oh, he's Johnson. built like a fucking American gladiator. Yeah, and they just don't use him. I love Calvin Ridley. I think he's he's tremendous. And you said Calvin Johnson, though, right? Oh, but I'm saying I love Calvin Ridley. In, uh, yeah, that's what I was Atlanta's saying. Atlanta's offense switching? with yeah. Julio. Right. Um, I love what they do together. Yeah, they're Julio's, the best. They're the best one-two punch as a receiver in the NFL, I and I don't think it's close. I just don't think it's close. Julio's just on another level in terms of his skill. He's built like Calvin Johnson was, and you just you need to give him the T.O. Randy Moss treatment. Just hammer him. They should get 20 targets a game. I don't care. I don't care what the play call is. If you look at a single high safety setup and he's got man coverage on the line, oh. I'm audibling that play and oh, I'm yeah. throwing it to <laughs> Every single time. Every you know time. The master of that is, is Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. They have it figured out in Green Bay. And I hate to say it, but they do because – he opens the game up with Adams. He doesn't even care. He doesn't need to get Aaron Jones going as much as he – if he can get Adams going, they can spread the field out, and then they can get their run game going. They can do play action. So smart. The things that they do there – and and that's that's Aaron Rodgers. That's not coaching. That's just Aaron Rodgers knowing football, I think, from a technique standpoint, better than probably any other quarterback in the NFL right now. He's wonderfully stubborn, too. He's wonderfully stubborn in the way that he – he doesn't need to do, I mean, I used to do this. I don't know. I don't know if anybody played Madden like this, but you try and get it to be really realistic. You could, you could cheese the game. You could throw four verticals over and over again. Eventually it's going to work out. Right. But you wouldn't do that because it wasn't realistic. Rogers doesn't give a shit. He no. will cheese the game and he'll do <laughs> the same thing over and over again. He'll run the same audible hot route where he'll run drag routes and get Adams over the middle. And he doesn't care. He doesn't really have a, Oh, you know, the, the, let's have a, a balanced let's have a balanced offensive attack. If it's going to work, he's going to do it. And he's probably smarter than everybody, and just continues to remain calm back there. So he just—it looks like it moves slowly for him. Well, you um, know, he's smart when he burns you on substitution every time. It happens. It's it almost like it almost happens every time. I remember. I remember him audibly cursing out Terry McCauley because McCauley blew a play dead when he had a neutral zone infraction. Yep. Because he he wants every single one of those free plays that he can get. Yeah, well, the hot mic. They tried to change the rule because of him. Exactly. It was a hot mic, and he was just unloading on him. He's like that fucking bullshit, Terry. <laughs> like all this stuff. <laughs> and I remember hearing it because he'll hard count it, and I don't I, I don't know if it's working more now in empty stadiums or not. I haven't watched as many Packers games. Uh, simply because of the Packers, but um, I'm sure it is. There's, uh, I'm sure it's helping him out uh, a ton. But yeah, you take advantage of stuff like that, and it's little things like that 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 really kind of change the game. Again, a good segue into that fantasy talk. 
Yeah, I just, you know, and that stuff doesn't show up on the stat sheet. Nope. That, that type of play does not show up on the stat sheet. Now, it'll still put up 28 points in a game for you, but you don't understand that part of that 28 points is coming from a play that should have been blown dead, that he was smart enough to get an extra play out of, and then he just bombs it because he can do it. Because they have nothing to lose from him just throwing it down the field. And they do that every time. I just re- quickly want to mention, you mentioned uh, him being like uh, – like a Madden in the four verticals. You know, the guy who won the world championship of Madden last year won without playing a quarterback. He just had running backs at just all went, the backfield position. You just go wildcat every time. I think he did. I think he did. He had two <laughs> running backs every time. And he just absolutely burned him with like manual juke moves. And that's it. You can cheese that game. There are certain guys in the NFL that know how to cheese the actual real life game. It's incredible. Well, who are the two offenses that you can think of that really figured this out the past couple of years? It's Kansas City and Seattle for me. The okay. way that Kansas City can just hammer over and over again the same play setup, their pre-snap reads um, are are incredibly simple. It's very similar. L.A. does this a lot too with the motion moves that they run with Robert Woods. They will they will hammer you with the same setup, but then innovatively they can run option routes off of all those things and completely confuse you. Seattle does the same thing. Seattle is amazingly stubborn and that they will just do the same things over and over and over again. As I'm talking more and more come to mind, New Orleans does this. Cliff yep. Kingsbury starting to do a little bit in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, Belichick but, did it over the years, but Belichick had very different teams. Yeah. He, yeah. Everything. Right. Um, I was yeah, going to say those are the New ones Orleans and Baltimore were the two for me that have really kind of figured uh, yeah, Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore is a good question too because you would really look at Lamar's stat line and say, "Oh, you know, maybe he's not throwing the ball so well." They don't care. No, not one bit. Yep. Not in the slightest. They also don't care that they have three running backs that drive you crazy in fantasy because it works for them. They don't care <laughs> that you can't get twenty points off of what you know. They don't care that you have J.K. Dobbins who is a special talent. He's real good. He's he is real very good. special. And I think I th- look, you know, bringing this into the fantasy fold, I think that next year J.K. Dobbins is going to be a thing. See, and and that's what you said. Who was the guy? You and I talked about him years ago. We kept saying, "Oh, he's the guy. He's much better. He's the much more talented guy." Was he in Baltimore? And the only guy that I can think of would have been Derrick Henry because he's one of those guys <sighs> that I tried to tried to keep up. Oh, uh, who was that? Oh, Baltimore? I know who, it was a Baltimore yeah, I know who back. you're talking about. And then he just got injured we, a lot. We kept saying, oh, he's much better. He's a much better talent. Yeah, he was injured. Uh, year two was the year he was supposed to come on, and then he went on IR before the season. Then the year three, same thing. He went on IR for the year. Um, oh, man, he was so talented. That's going to drive me crazy if I can't figure that out. Yeah, we're going to have to look that up. Because he, uh, he is still in the league. He is still in the league. You kept you kept saying, oh, this is his year. This is his year. He's going to step up. He's the type of guy that uh, – He's clearly the best runner in the backfield. He's clearly the best guy. They don't care. No, if it they doesn't don't. work for their offense and you're a team that has sound coaching, a good system set up, they know who they are. Again, it goes back to that stubborn idea. You don't give a crap. If there's a guy who physically is more talented in the backfield, if he's not delivering on the field, they're going to give it to the guy who is. New Orleans this did is, it for years. This is when they had Gus Edwards, Alex Collins, and the guy was Kenneth Dixon. Kenneth Dixon, that's yeah, exactly what right. it was. And I kept yeah. saying every year, I was like, I'm going to grab Kenneth Dixon in like the 11th round. He's going to show up like week seven. He's going to be their number one back. And he uh, never was. I think this gives you, you know, people who understand football play, a, a unique advantage and disadvantage. Because on one hand, 
you can make calls like this. Like if you watched Jonathan Taylor, he's my guy this year, right? If you watched him run in Wisconsin, you I almost did Wisconsin. 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 You know he's a special talent, and you know what he's capable of. And and the Colts have one of the best and still healthy offensive lines yeah, in the NFL. Their line is really tremendous. So you're like, okay, give me that talent combined with what's on that line here. I'll take a flyer late for, you know, as much as I ended up bidding on him, which was, I think, dirt cheap, like 16 bucks or something for what he could have and should have been. We're still guess, you know, he, he can be. Um, but that backfield operates at a different level. They're comfortable with what they're doing with Hines and Wilkins, and Wilkins is now out-touching him for some reason. Sounds like he's battling an ankle injury that they're not wanting to come – to full terms with explaining to the public, but that's just how football works. And like we said, Baltimore doesn't care what your fantasy stat looks like. They will do what they feel like doing is best for their football team. And it's infuriating, infuriating from if you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective. You'd love um, to predict it. You'd love to be somebody that could say, oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to ride this train out. They'll right. eventually figure it out. They're, they, they're not concerned they're not saying, oh, we're not sure what we have. They know. It's the same thing that you would kind of round back to, like, I don't know where I was going. With it. I, I, I knew what I was going to say. No, I, I had something. It's the same thing as something. I'll get back to it. I'll get back to it. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you this. This is, this is the other segue to the analysis of what actually took place during the game versus what's going to show up on the stat sheet, too which is a very slippery slope because your eyes when you're watching something is going to convince you similarly to what we're talking about with Jonathan Taylor. Oh, he's running really well. He's a hard nosed runner. He's getting these yards, but it's not translating into ultimate stats. You look at, uh, I wasn't able to watch all the games this week. I was out of town, but uh, the first thing that came to mind when we were starting to kind of talk about this fantasy versus reality, I'll go back two weeks to a game Josh Jacobs had. Josh Jacobs had 31 carries. He went for 128. That's an unbelievable day. If you're the if you're the Raiders, you're thrilled with that type of volume. He's keeping your offense on the field. Defense is resting up, controlling the clock. It's not turning the ball over. From a fantasy standpoint, though, what does that translate into? 12.8. He's got no receptions during the day. Yep. No PPR points. He's going 12.8. But you watch the game. He gets stuffed three straight times on goal to go from the one. He he had a, a catch at the end of the game that went for 11 yards that got called back for an atrocious holding penalty. Uh, absolute garbage flag. And then he dropped a swing pass that he would have had a, just a two yard little bounce out of bounds at the end of the game. So you start thinking about, he loses, he goes from 12.8. He loses a touchdown that gets him to 18.8. Right. And then he has two grabs that would have gotten him. What did I say? 13 yards. So that's another, you know, Plus three, eight. 3.1 points right so he goes from 12.8 to 22.1 or we have 3.3 yards he goes to 22.1 from 12.8 from three remarkably insignificant plays in the game yeah the goal to go touchdown that's fine they ended up winning the game so it doesn't come back you don't analyze it all that much but two late catches and a touchdown that doesn't go in he goes from 12.8 to 22.1 the end of the day you look at that line, you go wow he really just wasn't effective he gets those three tiny extra plays and you go, wow, looks like Josh, uh, Josh Jacobs is a juggernaut. He's really pouring on those mid twenties games and it deceives you because it, it, it convinces you of certain trends and it can go the other way too. You can have a guy who, you know, 
the Naeem Hines game was a great example. Two unbelievable throws that he hauls in athletically brings them down. Those points translate, but was he getting the volume? No, not really. Yeah. And a good example of a guy like that for me would be Chase Edmonds. So compared to Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake is getting all, well, you know, when he's healthy, he was getting all this volume and he just was not doing anything. He would get stuffed on the goal line. He would, he would not be effective reading the gaps. Um, He would just kind of run into the pile and then not make a cut or a football move. And it would just not do anything. And then what they'll end up doing is they have to satellite back Chase Edmonds on a third down. And they're like, all right, we'll just go do like a wheel route or something. I guess let's just get you on the outside in the perimeter. And then he's like, all right, great. I'll bust off 20 yards here because they're going to be dropped back waiting for a seven or eight yard pass here. And then they plant his ass on the bench. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, from, from a football perspective, one of the things that I always like to do is I just don't, the numbers don't lie to me. If the volume is there, the opportunity can come unless your name, I don't want to speak ill of this man. Right? <laughs> I'm just going to say, you know who I'm going to say. Why don't you say it for me? Who's the one guy who's going to get all the volume and really just do nothing with? <laughs> Frank Gore. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's been like seven years in a row I know. that you've made this argument. Well, look, he goes somewhere. Frank Gore is the same <laughs> He thing. only gets 46 yards every game. And off of 14-plus carries, yeah. And and you know who else that new guy is becoming? And I hope that he doesn't get to the Frank Gore level where it's frustrating that he's on a team as Adrian Peterson. We're like, all right, it, it, look, we've got Swift back here. Can we just let him have the backfield now? Can you just can you just move aside? You had your your run. You were great. Uh, Frank Gore has 96 attempts this year. He has 96 carries. Alvin Kamara has 96 carries. (laughs) Yeah. And how many yards does Frank Gore have? 340. And how many does Kamara have? 471. So it's not a it's not as huge of a difference as you would think that it would be. But Kamara's also like like ninth in the league in receptions, though. Yeah, I was going to say the yardage. The yardage. But you look at that. I mean, you've got the guys around him with the similar number of carries. I mean, guys like Mixon, Cream Hunt, Gaskin, Melvin Gordon. They've got very similar uh, carry numbers. He's got more. He's got more carries than Aaron Jones does. He's got more carries than Singletary. More carries than Sanders. I know those guys have been hurt, but like you're putting up a guy every single day. His long is 14. <laughs> yeah. He's got no touchdowns, but he's stealing carries given the jets are just an absolute piss poor team. But I mean, how much, who, who, who was the guy that was behind him that we kept railing to get more carries? P Ryan. That's right. Yeah. And then in Buffalo, it was, uh, Again, Buffalo was a I team have I have him on my team now. Um, I think it was Singletary, on. actually. No, well, in the past it might have been, but Zach Moss is the guy this year. Yeah, I'd rather have Zach Moss than Singletary. Yeah, single, it's, I'd rather uh, have Zach Moss than single carry. Jensen's got to jump on you, man. Uh, he's dude. I pick on him every week on this thing. I, I, I feel like I feel. Like Wonder if he was like if he's getting through this like I'm just waiting, just uh, waiting for the, for the single for the carry single carry comment. Well, there it was. <laughs> <laughs> Evan single carry. What you got? Um, what do you think? So this will this will be my 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 last question from like a future perspective. But I want to focus on just one player since you just brought him up not too long ago. Miles Gaskin, right? He's on IR. Uh, Miami is secretly very good this year, I think. And I, 
I think Flores is a great coach. Um, and I think they're going to, they're going to go really far in two years from now. Next year, they'll go a lot further in two years. They're going to go really far. But what do you think about a guy like Miles Gaskin who just emerged and can potentially, do you think one, do you think Miami's going to try to get a running back next year? Then they have him and he can clearly do everything that they need him to do effectively. And uh, if you do, do you think they're targeting a running back in the third round or second round? Or do you think they have other needs they need to fill first? If I'm them, I think they've got, they've got an impressive base already on their team. They've drafted very well. Um, I got to tell you, Tua looked awfully good yesterday from the, the runs that I saw um, kind of looking back at tape. He looked really composed. I, I played the Cardinals defense thinking he's going to make rookie mistakes. He just I looked real too. clean the whole game. Now you get and, you negative one points. I know. Yeah. It just completely dogged me, but yeah. And I'm fine with that. Cause I love, I love when young kids actually translate because it gets you excited about watching college games. Cause you can see guys that are clearly talented that can still put it together. Yep. Uh, as far as it goes, I mean, Gaskin, Gaskin was a, a star in college too. He was a great runner. Um, I don't see them needing to go skill position um, for a while. Uh, I really like Preston Williams. Um, you and Devontae's, I have the same. You and I have the same mentality about drafting. We talked about I, this. Well, I, if and I, I've, people have probably heard me say this. It's O line, draft offensive line and defensive line with yes. six of your seven picks. Yeah, even if one hits, you're still in good shape. Yeah, and you. How many times do these guys go down during the year? Yeah. And you look at you look at the base of a good offensive line. You're going to protect your quarterback. You're going to actually be able to develop the offense that you spend all offseason figuring out. If you've got quarterbacks that don't have time that get rushed in the pocket, it doesn't matter. You could have the greatest play calling set in the world. Look at Matt Nagy. You could have the greatest set in the world. I actually yeah. really do like Nagy's book. I think he's a terrible play chooser, but I think he's got a great book. He's never going to. You know, I one of the things that I've I've said a couple of times, uh, coaches like Matt Nagy just cannot get out of their own way. Yeah. And, and you, you overthink stuff. It's, it's having a nice book and then having the simplicity to be able to figure out what works is what made Andy Reid so good. I think, I just think Matt Nagy can't, can't relieve. I think he views it as a weakness to his self that he cannot relieve play calling duty to the OC. I think it's going to happen more often. I know he let go of some of this this last week. So I think it's going to need to be, it's going to need to be, and either curbing of his sheet and making it a lot smaller so that he can work with what works, or it's going to have to go to Bill Lazor. It's going to have it's, to get out of his hands. Yeah, I was going to say it was funny because there were parts of that game where it's like, oh, the OCs, or you know, the 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 offensive play calling here is a little inspired. Like I like what they're doing. And then other times it was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, <laughs> these are the Matt Nagy calls. Gotcha. So going back to the idea, if I'm Miami, I keep Gaskin. He's clearly proven that he can do it. Um, right. I like I like him with Tua in the backfield. I think they're going to be a nice little combo. They've got skill all over the ball. Um, I think they're going to rue getting rid of Mick and Fitzpatrick. Like they're not going to believe. But draft offensive line, draft defensive line, draft interior D lineman too. Aaron Donald is the most important player in the NFL. He's so unbelievably good. And if you've got a good defense anchored by good D lineman you got a good offense that's anchored by healthy O-linemen that can actually protect your quarterback open holes. It's going to work. And you can find guys to plug in there. I mean, you got guys like Jerry Rice and Terrell Owens. I know they're generational talents, but, you know, what college did they go to, you know? Right. 
Chattanooga State and Mount, or I don't even know where Tennessee. Oh, don't knock on Chattanooga State. <laughs> Name another got, player from Chattanooga State, please. Uh, Dave Williams. I guarantee you, there was a dude who played there named Dave Williams. Oh, of course there was. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's what I would do, and if I'm them, um, I think they found they found some gems in their coaching staff, and it just makes you itch to have a GM that can find somebody like Brian Flores that can find Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel is an absolute genius. He is. Yeah. You see these coaches that show up and they know how to both corral these young guys and run a team. And you just, I got, I got really nervous last year. Uh, We did talk about this. I said to you, I was like, I'm really nervous because I really like Flores as a coach. He, he clearly knows what he's doing. But they're tanking last year, and I just don't want that to reflect poorly on the head coach. Yeah, they, they probably, you know, they they knew and they probably told Flores like, "Listen, we're not going to do well this year, so <laughs> don't do too much." But maybe squeak away another if you could, and that would be they, okay with us. They had a bunch of games where they just got absolutely bone jobbed too. I mean, I think Baltimore beat them by like, what was it forty or something like that? They put up like fifty nine. Yeah, in the first game, and well, then that was that's Baltimore cr- last year on uh, on uh, Lamar Jackson's MVP tear. Yeah, you know, he was playing at an unreal level last year. But they won some really good games. I mean, I think they beat New England at the end of the year. Yep. Um, you know, they have some nice days where they, they 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 beat some bad teams. But to win five games with that team after starting zero and seven, you got to start thinking. That's hey, coaching. these guys actually would be like, yeah, they like playing for this coach. They've got they've got some nice pieces there. I, I'd still think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a fairly decent uh, Phil quarterback. I wouldn't. I was really surprised by that move. They, they had really to have known surprised. something. There has to be some reason that they make those moves. It's, it's the Nick Foles move too. You, there's got to be a reason why they make those moves that we don't know about. And yeah, I mean, I'm not convinced that that's the case, but I also really don't know the the reasoning. So I certainly can't argue it. I just think that. Fitzpatrick was so inspiring to the people that were on that team that they were having fun playing football. And I think for a team like Miami to be having fun playing football right now is going to bode well for the future because it's the, uh, it's the, the, the Ross effect for the Cubs, right? Yeah. He's this big team player. And then he steps back and he goes and coaches and maybe Fitzpatrick has a future on staff somewhere, but Mm -hmm. like those players loved playing with that guy. And uh, I agree, you know, and Fitzpatrick said he was heartbroken afterwards that he found out on a zoom call like we're doing right now, but uh, that's the, that's the times. Uh, but he did, he ended up supporting it and getting behind it. And he's been encouraging after, um, you know, it's nice to, it's nice to talk about football and not just fantasy because the yeah. game is bigger than what we see the numbers at. And when you have a vampire that's doing what they're doing right now, it's not, <laughs> it's not fun for anyone. I think it's uh, funny too how this has really turned around because I think we were we were anti vampire for a while, but now it's given you it's given you a little wrinkle that is really gonna f some shit up here. Which it's already done I, that, Brad. It's already done that. I'm really <laughs> four, and I gotta I gotta run into them week eleven, and I'm terrified. You should be. You yeah. should be. They're gonna have Hopkins now. They're going to be. They they were already if very they good. Get, if we look at their roster pre-matchup and we determine that they have a better roster, does the other person then get to take someone from the vampire? <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> so we look at it and we go, you're going to stomp me. I'm going to take Camara. Yeah, please. <laughs> like that. 
We'll just uh, institute that week. Yeah, I like the format. I don't think I would ever want to do this again without having some normalcy in this league. I mean, and there are going to be some things, too, towards the end of the season, what we'll, I'll probably do, or at least have some moderate plans for us to put into recording that. Uh, coming into next year, we'll vote on doing a 12-person league, uh, vote on removing the kicker position, vote on our yearly budget because we just upped it to a hundred dollars. Um, if we're going to do, if we're going to do that, maybe we'll work in like a, an extra $20 per team so that we could have that one person of the winnings that goes to a cameo thing of their choice. They have a budget <laughs> for that. Yeah. I like that. Or, or, I, I, you know, one year we, I think one year we're probably going to have to spring for a trophy or a belt and, and get it shipped off to the winner. Get, get, so get that in someone's hands. Yeah. I like that. And then every year it gets added to by the winner. Yeah, and we'll we'll do like a little plate that goes on it for each year, so we don't forget who won. Possibly who won two times. Andy drink. <laughs> Does he have to drink with with every single Terry and every two time winner? Uh yes, yeah. Every time, every time that it's mentioned that I've won the league, which I have done two times, if you did not know, so you're to get to that. <laughs> and uh, Devin single carry, Andy has to take a drink. So the point is, credit, yeah, I want him to get drunk like really quick at the end, though. Not not all up front. Like I want him to enjoy the podcast, but then it's so he's a, I, he's a garbage time guy. He's a he garbage, is a garbage time. time guy. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. That would well, be that would be the only other thing that I would hit on if I'm talking late late year. If you're looking at your roster, look at those guys with garbage time. Look at those guys that are on teams that aren't very good. Look at those mediocre players that got something to play for. If you're between two guys, if you got somebody that's eleven and one they're not going to be stretching for the goal line like that guy that's seven and five. I think it is not arguable to say that it is harder to play in a 10 person league than it is to play in a 16 person league. Here's why <laughs> you get in your own way in a 10 man league. That's ex- well that so in a 16 person league, as you get further into the draft or if you, you know, get further into the season and injured, you are just playing anybody that has, a pulse. Whereas in a 10 person league, you're looking at two people on your team and you're going, okay, what's the matchup? What's the weather? Okay. Well, last week they did this. Okay. What do they have to play for? What's their record? Oh, is anyone covering them? Where in the other, you know, 60 person league, you're like, okay, yeah, I just need to fill this spot. And hopefully like we were in a 14 man league and I, I try not to talk about this stuff, but like we're in a 14 person league this past week. And we're like, Oh, we're going up against Duke Johnson. Okay. So we should come up with this outright. Then DJ goes down and Duke Johnson puts up 16. I'm like, great. Yeah, that's, of course, that's me. <laughs> Absolutely going to happen. So, but you just don't know at that point. Like if you're the guy playing Duke Johnson, you're like, please let something happen. Like I'm it's not hoping similar, for an yeah. injury, but I really hope that he, you know. It's a similar equivalent to playing a kicker. You throw somebody in there and you hope, they hope they get a couple targets thrown their way and maybe they figure it out. Yep. But yeah, yeah, it burns you. I've played in 16 team leagues with two quarterbacks. Oh, no. Somebody's, Why? somebody's running Nick Mullins out there at some point. I almost did that this year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost did that this year in a two quarterback keeper league where everybody has all the good quarterbacks, and I joined in and picked up some of the rosters. Sorry, you're in a two quarterback keeper league? I'm in a two quarterback super flex keeper league. Oh, man. It's the highest pay in that I have. Uh, here, just for shits and giggles, because I like to share my other rosters with you. Let me just explain to you what my roster looks like, okay? Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay. Oh, those are, they're so injured. 
Uh, Miles Sanders, so injured. Jeez. Chris Carson, so oh, injured. Uh, I had Russell Wilson, and I ended up trading him away for some futures picks because there's also a separate rookie draft for this. Oh, yeah. For this I like league. those leagues a lot. And so this is because this is the first year I've done it, and it is so much fun. So the other thing that I'm happy we did the Vampire League. Am I going to do it again? Probably not with this group, but I might do it outside of this in another league. Like I would love to play as the Vampire sometimes. So I ought to give myself a shot at that. Um, you know, I think I think I'm not going to say people have been dying to get into the league for a while, but I think there's some interest from other parties that want to get involved in this because we've been doing it for as long as we have. So I think we need to have a discussion about whether we move it up to a 12-person league because we moved it from an 8 to 10. And I don't think there's a huge jump from 10 to 12 at that point. Maybe we reduce the bench spots by one. Or, you know. Yeah, you, you, you clip the bench spot to, to, to a smaller number. You get a little right. bit harder. You, you, going from 10 to 12, ultimately what you lose is just, just a little bit more of that playable depth. It right. becomes a little bit more interesting on the wire because you stash guys and you grab people that could turn into something. You don't really always grab that guy that possibly I would play this week. You're very rarely finding guys on the wire that you would actually play. You're just getting guys that oh, I hope later on down the road he might get some he might get some action. So, well, it's been a thrill to have you this week. It's been a thrill to be here. We were not physically here. Let's not let's not pretend like we're we're never going to physically be in the room together ever again. Turn around. And then that's the part of the show where Brett magically popped up behind me, and I was very surprised. It was like pulling a rabbit out of a hat that you didn't expect because your pants were down. So, uh, yeah, he, it's a vision that he'll never unsee and uh, one that I can't ever live down. Um, thanks again for Brett for coming on. Uh, let's get into the section now with Peel. Uh, uh, you know what? podcast has already gone on for over an hour at this point. Unfortunately, I think we're just going to have to bump Peel back to next week. Um, yeah, you know, for, for time's sake here, I really want to try to keep these things. Spotify is starting to have a limit here, and I want to keep the times down a little bit. So, uh, yeah, Peel, we're just going to have to, unfortunately, bump you back to next week. But everyone should tune in because it looks like next week's going to be a really good show. Finally have Peel on. And we get to talk football with the man who clashes the most with me. And he's having a good year, too, so it'll be it'll be a nice listen, to. So be sure to tune in next week. That's going to do it for the Week 9 recap, the Week, the week 10 preview, and the football talk with Brett. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Guys, remember, if you want to be a part of the show, I've been reaching out to you guys for guests. But if you want to get back on, if you've been on, if you feel like you've got more to cover and go over, uh, just reach out. You know, we've got, we've got a couple more week, weeks left here to, to do this thing, so if you want to jump in i am all for it you pick the topic we'll talk through it i'm sure i'll mention how many injuries i have how many times i've won the league and i'm gonna mention devin singletary so uh take care have a good one good luck on your matchups this week and we'll see you soon